Hi everyone, this is Old Emo Dave, here for the first ever TBR podcast. So, what is the TBR podcast? This is a tennis podcast from me, Old Emo Dave, the tennis fan, wanting to round up each week how everything's getting on on the ATP, WTA Tour, dropping down to the Challenger and ITF events sometimes, depending on how busy the weeks are, looking at each event and the top three seeds, how they got on, and the top three shocks, and analysing where we'll be going with them in the weeks to come. This being week one, a lot of action going on, so without further ado, let's get into the ATP events. in Qatar is usually one of those events that could be really well attended or depending on injuries and exhibitions could be left a little bit flat. This one may not have had Murray, Federer, Nadal or Djokovic but we had a reasonable turnout. The top three seeds being number three Thomas Burjic, number two after his form in this end of season Paolo Carino Booster and number one Dominic Thiem. The seeds didn't fall out that well and ironically in Qatar these shocks were actually the performance of our top seeds. The top shock, but also where the number three seed ended up, was Jan Jelad Struff beating Thomas Burdich in the round of 32. He got taken down 6-4-1-6-7-6, which would have netted you an average of 3.25 betting ratio, which would have been a 2-1 return on your money. Paolo Booster fell in a bit more of an even match. He fell in three sets to Borough Connick. This, not so much of a surprise, because actually... Borconic has certainly got rising star potential back in him since he had his injury. So does rank up there quite highly. The number one seed, Dominic Team, did himself quite justice. Breezing for all his rounds, unfortunately having to bow out in the semis with a walkover, which led to Gail Monfils going on and winning the final. We really hope Dominic will be in a good stead for the Australian Open because he looked quite good this week, playing well coming through quite unscathed and personally I'd like to see a really really good run from him in Australia. We have mentioned one of the shocks already however what were the other two? Well as it is an early season you do see some qualifiers picking it up and making their way through. Miraz Bazic was one of the guys who really impressed here. He got through as round of 32 against Gualo Garcia Lopez which was a real good result. Then he also continued in the round of 16, beating the other Lopez, Felicio, who was the number 8 seed. He finally fell, so quite surprisingly, in the quarterfinals to Guido Pelé, which would have been the more likely of the opponents he could have been in the quarterfinal. However, for the guy from Bosnia, this was a fantastic run for the start of the year. Our other big result, Andre Rublev making good on his potential and actually reaching the final of this event. He got himself through... Round of 32 in which he won the first set 6-1 but 
A Cedric Steeb who put in a lot of miles towards the end of the last year, retiring out after a 6 1 run over in the first set. And then coming through, taking his round of 16 against Vadasco in three. A bit of a shaky game, but Vadasco always gives a good fight. Borconic then fell to him in the quarterfinal, 6 3 7 5. He then came up against a bit of a tired Pele in the second in semi-finals, but fair play got taken to three sets, falling then to Gail Monfils, who's really hungry for title in the final. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Now ATP Chennai was the other event on the card this week outside of Australia, which meant another bit of a spread as far as the seeds were concerned. This in a real hot climate and in an emerging climate for tennis was an interesting tournament, but how did the top three seeds get on? Number one, Marian Cilic, did well. He came through some difficult early matches, which leading him through into the semi-finals, where he looked like he was cruising against Gilles Simon. After winning the first set 6-1, he actually went on to lose the second set 6-3 and 6-2. Almost like he had his eye on the prize, he was real surprised that Simon had that fight in him to come back and take the victory. Because the odds of 3.4 would have netted you big money on Simon, especially if you'd have got in after the second set. You'd have probably got somewhere in the region of 10s, based on the fact that he lost 6-1. to one. This guy had an absolute tear. Shown by the result of our second seed, Kerr Anderson, he made it all the way to the final. He got through with very little difficulty. He did lose the odd tiebreak along the way in the quarterfinals to Kukushkin, but overall, he was the man this week. He did lose the final, but again, as we'll round up at the end here, Simon was absolutely on fire. Third seed, Batista Agu, round of 16. He, that's where he fell. Now, you'd probably think, oh, at least he won a match, but actually, no, this is the first match he played all week. Who did he lose to? Surprise, surprise, he lost to Gilles Simon. He lost in, th- in two sets, quite close two sets, but actually takes Simon's record against Batista Agu to five was one so this guy has his number looking at this tournament there is only one name we need to talk about Gilles Simon the man had an absolute stormer of a week the only game which would have probably been considered an easy game for him would have been against 10 Sandgren in the first round he came through that but he had to face Batista grew the number three seed in the round of 16 he had to then go up against a qualifier a good qualifier in Ricardo O.J. Lara, who's another one of our surprise picks this week in the quarterfinal, to then come up against the Chilich in the semis and then Anderson in the final. If you had your faith in the little French genius this week, you would have made bank. He was on fire. As a tournament, there's a couple of other good results you could have found out. Like As mentioned, Ricardo Lara, he came through a couple of rounds. He beat uh, Vesali in the first round, which was a good result. And then an up-and-coming Ilya Levansky in the second round. I quite like the Belarusian, but he came unstuck. And good results really all round for Mr. Lara. And maybe a man we're going to be focusing on when we start to look at the challenges in the coming weeks. Outside of that, I really was pulling on what would be my third shock. There was pretty much the status quo as we went through no major shocks to report but I wanted to highlight the fact that Ramkuran Ramatharan on home soil got himself through into the round of 16. He did beat Roberto Baye in the first round 
and then did come and touch hitting Marlon Cilic in the round of 16. This guy is improving. I don't really know where the cap is as far as Indian tennis at the moment, but he is definitely a force to be reckoned with on the challenger circuit. The final ATP men's main tour event this week was held over in Brisbane. The one which usually and historically would have had by far and away the strongest field was probably on a par with all three tournaments as far as skill cap is concerned. How did the top three series get on? Let's run them down one through three. Grigor Dimitrov had a bit of a rocky tournament but did hold true as far as the seeding is concerned and reached the semi-finals. We did then have Andy Murray, though, who was the number two seed, actually withdraw before the event, really hoping that he's going to be ready in time as far as the actual Australian Open is concerned. The big shout-out, though, does go to the number three seed, Nick Kyrgios, in his own backyard, overperforming, as expected, and taking this tournament down. He was a man who actually took Grigor down in the semi-finals, which really really and truly probably cemented him the win, it was going to be a toss-up of two unseeded players in the final from the other semi-final. So, fair play to him. He earned this title, making his run. A real good showing from the seeds, actually, in this one. Other than Grigor having a bit of a hiccup in the earlier rounds, they pretty much lived up to their billing. As far as the other three results of notable mention, shocks, yes. Are these guys capable? Most definitely. Running down from the top, has to obviously be talked about Ryan Harrison, a man who came in right at the pinnacle of what was expected in American tennis, fell away real considerably and has been lingering outside of the top 100 with a bit of a resurgence last year, hit the final this year after a steady string of results, not really taking down massive names along the way, but getting there more or less. He himself came up against our other big notable result. Alex de Meneur, the Australian up-and-coming wildcard, who also got to the semi-finals. He took out some names along the way, but this guy has got Leighton Hewitt as a coach, and if anything, to, as a person to watch, he will be the man to watch. Now, we're not necessarily saying on the main tour this year, but I reckon this guy is going to be taking a few challenger tours down, and definitely, when we get to the Australian Open next week, be a fan favourite to look at. As far as our third result... There was a lot of even across the board matchups. You had seeds getting beaten, but beaten by guys who were either just on the fall or just on the rise. Just to be patriotic, my third pick is going to go with Kyle Edmund. He had a great tournament. He ran Dimitrov really, really close in the quarterfinals. He took the second set on a tie break. Only one break in the final set to actually lose. He's now 2-0 against the man, but... He really looked good and we've got to all understand that Murray is no longer really the only guy in British tennis. We really need Kyle to come through and to be challenging him for his title if we really want to see this game progress beyond the Murray era. The only other real big shout out I just want to give is John Millman. As far as Dimitrov, he gave him a super good run in the round of 16. He took the first set and actually had match points on the Dimitrov serve in the tiebreak on the second. Bit of a heartbreaker. That would have been a good win for anyone who had cash behind him. But in fairness, that was a great first week on the ATP. We were missing some of the top guys. A couple were playing the Hoffman Cup. But really, we started to see 
who's pinning their flag to being a real threat in the early season. Let's move over to the WTA. Before we continue the podcast, please go and visit our sponsor, ultimatepoker.com. They are giving you $10 free cash in your new account when you sign up. I do a link below the stream here on Twitch or on YouTube. It'll be in the comments or in Facebook. You can check out our page. Thanks for that, guys. And we'll get on with the podcast. So over to the WTA. In the Shenzhen over in China, we had a real big event, which led to not so many shocks. Top three seeds to start off with. Starting at three, Shai Zhang. Number three, debatably because she's on home soil and not many people love to travel here. Had a good round of 32, but in the round of 16, lost to an informed Zarina Diaz, who is looking to represent for the Kazakhs. Number two, not only being the result of the number two, but one of our big losses of the week is Jelena Ostapenko. Now, I got a lot of love for Jelena on both sides of the coin. On her, when she was coming up, she was always one you could look at to get a potential upset. Unfortunately, she's flipped the coin. She's now in the big leagues, and she's the one where you can potentially see the upset. In this particular event, she was out in a round of 32. Not that Pliskova was not someone who could beat her on her day, but she shouldn't have lost her so easy 6-1-6-4. The number one seed, Simona Halep, she took this event down with relative ease. She came through her first round with not dropping a set. She dropped a set in the round to 16, but other than that, she seemed quite unscathed until the final. You had Dorina Sinakova, who was actually ranked number six in this tournament, get to the final, obviously finding herself against Simona Halep, but she did take out Marina Sharapova along the way. So, a couple of questions. Is Katarina Sinakova finally actually going to represent some of the expectation? And is this a return to form for Maria Sharapova, or is she still now looking like she's going to return herself to more of a top 20 player than someone who's going to be challenging for the finals at all? That's yet to be seen, and we'll have to see what happens in Australia. The tournament in Brisbane for the women was plagued with injuries. The number one C, Garbin Muguruza, she had to retire with muscle cramps. She was in excruciating pain. If anyone saw it live, you can see why she couldn't carry on. But for sports bettors around the place, they must have been absolutely extensive if they had money on the number one seed. Looking at the number two seed and the number three seed, Semi-final loss of Caroline Pliskova. She played well. She actually lost to the final winner, Elida Svitolina, the third seed. She looks like she's really carrying on some good form and it's going to be a real force to be reckoned with in Australia. Looking at our shocks and other notables, Caroline Garcia was one of the other injuries. Her back injury reoccurrence means that coming into Australia, we don't even know if she's actually going to be there. She won't play a tournament now before the Australian series, so it's still 50-50. And she might be a real good bet to lose in the first or second round if she's up against a real high number. 
Two women who are back on the rise, however, are Kai Kanepi and Alexandra Sashemnitz, who played really well in this tournament. Kai Kanepi pushed Karolina Pliskova really close in her round of eight, but then you also had a finalist, Alexandra Sasevich. She was real disappointed in losing 6-3-6-1 in the final. However, to get there, she looked great. She played against some real high-class opposition who also played great against her, but she managed to clutch her way through. Someone to watch coming into the next few weeks. The other tournament on the slate this week was the WTA event in Auckland. This, one of the smaller tournaments, went pretty much on par. We had Cher Sue beating the third seed, Barbara Shakova in the quarterfinal. But apart from that, the final was taking the place against the number one and the number two seed. It was actually Judy Gouraj who came across counting whilst the attic in the end. A steady 6-4-7-6 match, but in reality, the game was really close. Both looking really good going into the Australian swing. The thing we'd have to look at for the other two results is some really good performances from American wildcards. Sasha Vickery and Sophie Kinnean both reaching the semi-finals and the quarter-finals respectively. We'll have to say, these guys will be looking to pick up a couple of rounds in the upcoming major event. We're going to round up the challenger events now, and there was three this week. The first being in Nomea. The journeyman American, Noah Rubin, came up with the title. But there's also a notable appearance on Taylor Fritz, as a second seed, he also reached the final. Surprisingly, though, the big result was the young Hungarian Zomba Piros reached Julian Beneteau in the first round. If he'd have had money on the young Hungarian, and he'd have been a surprise if he did, he would have come out with a 6.25 bet. What a good result for you. Moving over to Playford, the top three seeds all fell in the first round. This was actually more of a I'm just getting used to the new season event, I think as a lot of people fell out and was eventually actually won by Jason Kubler, the qualifier in the final. With a very, very good run of the young Canadian, Braden Shaw. Now over in Bangkok, you had quite a strong field, as there's also a secondary event this week. It was actually won by Marcel Grenoliers, who's down in the challenges at the moment, because he's been more dominant in the double circuit over the last few years. This tournament felt like his the whole way, and he came through in the final against qualifier Matt Morangig, who'd actually done really well, and is really going to be a force on the Challenger circuit this year after coming back from injury during the middle of the last year. Now, let's go on and preview week two. Started in Sydney for our upcoming events, we have not got a very stacked field. You one, two, three in the seedings are Ramos Valores, Giles Muller, and Diego Schwartzman. Over the water in uh, Auckland, it's a little bit better. One, two, three is Jack Sock, Del Potro, and Sam Quirry. As far as these matches, so far with the ones published, I'd be going with Andre Rublev to make a first round win against City Pass. He is a 2.20 underdog, and considering his form, I would be giving him a shot. With the women, they're in Hobart this week, and that's probably one of the weaker tournaments. 
Shi Sang, Elise Mertens, and Serena's sister, they're the one, two, three in the seed. But the real women strength is over in Sydney. As far as the seeds go, Garbin Muguruza could still potentially play as the moment she's got a, a buy into the second round, but I'd likely expect a pull out there. Venus Williams has got to be the favourite, due to the fact that Jelena Ostapenko, at the time of recording, has already lost her first round match. It's not the only shock, and won't be the last shock this tournament. We've already seen Christina Milandovic already losing the first round to the wild card from Australia, Ella Perez, as everyone is gearing up for the major in a couple of weeks. There is two challenger events on the men's side, one in Canberra and another in Bangkok. You'd expect the Canberra one to be once again dominated by the Australians who don't travel as much like Jason Kubler. And in Bangkok, I would be very surprised if you don't see at least a finals appearance once again of Marcel Gronaldiers. 15.40 Thanks for that everyone. This has been the first TBR podcast. Hope you've enjoyed We're going to wrap things up now, but through the week we may post more content. So like, comment, subscribe. Any links for anything mentioned in the show, especially our sponsor, is in the description. But now, for the podcast, let's game, set, and match.